Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Today I want to talk about the big circle. How many of you have heard about the Hubble telescope? Has anyone heard of it? So it's an amazing project. The scientists in America created this telescope that is so big and so powerful and so sensitive that it can see galaxies and stars that are billions of light years away. But it had to be put outside of the Earth's atmosphere because a telescope looking from within the world, from within the Earth's atmosphere, the air particles distort the image that comes through. And so they wanted to put this telescope in space, rotating around the Earth, orbiting our planet so that it doesn't get affected by the Earth's atmosphere. An amazing idea. And they made a little mistake. They sent this thing, costing billions of dollars. They put it on a rocket ship. They sent it up. They built it. It had all these clever parts interlinking with one another. There were lenses and mirrors and receptors and circuits and broadcasting systems and filters. It was the most advanced telescope that had ever been created. And they put it on a rocket and they sent it up into space and it was orbiting around and they switched it on and the image was blurry. Have you ever heard this story? It's the most crazy story. Someone had not checked that the big mirror, so there's one very, very big mirror that is the main part of the Hubble telescope, and all the images come onto that big mirror, and then they get focused and received in different parts of the telescope. But the big mirror was distorted. It hadn't been built to the correct specifications. It had some kind of bend or warp or something in it, and so every image, Think about it, all the effort that had gone into building this telescope for however many decades they'd been planning it and all the people and all the money and all the different effort that had gone in was messed up because the big mirror, the main one that receives the image, was not correct. It was bent and it wasn't giving a clear picture. They made a, a solution. They sent some astronauts up with some lenses. You know how you wear glasses, eyeglasses, to focus or bend the light so that your eye can see correctly. If your eye is not seeing correctly, they just put a set of glasses to, to focus the light. They put a set of glasses on Hubble so that the light would get bent and it would correct for the big mirror's distortion. And so they they got amazing pictures coming out of Hubble. But the thing I want to talk about today is the big circle, the big mirror, if you like. Because we've talked about relationships and being loved and accepted by God and, and having boundaries and having purpose and all these different circles in your life. But if you're not looking at it through the big circle correctly, in other words, the big context the thing that God looks at everything through, his big picture of what is important to him, if you're not looking at your circles through the big circle of God's perspective correctly, then you will get your Christianity off track. There will be a slight warp or bend and you will not see the circles correctly. 
if you're not looking at it from God's big circle correctly, you could get selfish and you could think it's all about me and my circle and my happiness and I want to be blessed. I want people to love me and look after me and and, and you can get slightly out of focus because you're not looking at it from God's big circle. Or you could get your boundaries wrong and you start saying crazy things like, I only want a fellowship with people who look like me or talk like me or who are of the, from the same country as me or of the same gender or the same age as me. And we can get our circles distorted if we don't look through the big lens that God has given us. So today I want to look at three or four verses that tell us what God's big circle is that put all the other circles into context, and I believe it will help you. You know, I was a believer for about 10 years before I understood this concept. I and my wife were blessed to go to a Bible school in America called Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas, and it was a wonderful Bible school. We spent two years two and a half years there. We were blessed. We loved it. And it was during that time I had learned a lot before I'd been to Bible school. In fact, I'd even been in full-time ministry working as a pastor. And I thought I knew about God and the Bible. But it was when I was there that the big context and the big picture came into focus for me. And it was basically the name of the Bible school, Christ for the Nations, that it's God's idea to reach the whole world. When I put everything into a context of God's big mission for the planet, that suddenly my understanding of the Bible and grace and relationships and faith and healing and all those other things that I knew, they all click, 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 clicked into place. And I saw a big picture. Previous to that, there were lots of little pictures that weren't connected. And suddenly they all connected a bit like a puzzle. And the puzzle made a big circle, which is the world. So let's look at a couple of verses. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Jesus has just been speaking to his disciples about worry. He says, do not worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear because the world runs around worrying, worrying, worrying about everything. Have you noticed this? If you work in an office environment I guarantee you at least two or three times a day, you will hear people talking with a concerned voice about something they're worried about. The economy, Brexit, the latest problem, whatever it might be in the world. Have you noticed that? The world loves to worry. What is Jesus' solution? Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these other things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus was saying you have a fuse. It's called a worry fuse in your mental abilities. And it's only able to take the worry of one day. If you put more than one day's worry into your worry fuse in your mind, it will blow. I've done that. I've blown through worry. Have you? I'm thinking about something next week, next month, next year, 10 years time, which may never happen. Are you? Have you ever done that? And I'm adding 
the, the following day's worry load to today's worry fuse, and it's not handling the pressure. And Jesus said, do not worry. Worry about today and whatever comes against you today, but the, the problems of tomorrow are for tomorrow's worry fuse. But he said this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. In other words, when you put your priorities right, you say, God, it's about you. It's about your kingdom, your righteousness. Lord, what you want matters to me more than what I've been so busy scurrying around after. When I put God first, everything else starts to fall into line. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever come out of a prayer meeting? We have some wonderful prayer meetings. But you come out of the prayer meeting and you've focused your life on God and on what He says is important. And you walk out and everything else seems to be in its right perspective all of a sudden. Oh, I don't need to worry so much about that person, that thing, that problem. Because I put God first. And it's a decision that I make. In my own heart, I say, God, today, I wake up in the morning, I say, God, today you are the boss. You hold the steering wheel of the car of my life, God. I am a passenger in the car. You take the wheel. If you tell me what to do, I will follow you. But God, it's you. You are the Lord. You are the boss. What you say is important. That's what's important to me. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. Right, let me go to the next one. I'm, I've lumped a bunch of scriptures together, and I've called them the others of Jesus. The others of Jesus. See if you can see the trend and the thread through these verses with the word other. Mark 6, verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him, to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. So Jesus is having a wonderful ministry time. People are getting healed. People are loving what he's saying. They're blessed. They're having great fellowship together, laughing, talking. Does Jesus say, I'm going to stay here? No, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake. The other side. First scripture. Second one. Mark 8, verse 13. And he left them, and getting into the boat again, he departed to the other side. What? Jesus, we're having lovely fellowship. Look, we're getting on with each other. We're getting to know each other so well. We're loving this relationship we built. Uh-oh, Jesus is off to the other side. Next verse. Mark 10, verse 1. And he arose from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of the Jordan, and multitudes gathered to him again, and as he was accustomed, he taught them again. He went to the other side. Luke 4, verse 43. This one kind of summarizes it all. It says this, And he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Jesus knew his purpose. It wasn't about him, himself and gratifying his own happiness and well-being and looking into his own needs and saying, bless me, feed me, make me happy. He said, I have a purpose. I was sent for the others. Have you ever had a time in your life when you were just the most settled and the most happy, where you sat down and you thought, you know what? I have everything I need. 
I'm well supplied. I have great family or friends around me. I have no worries. I have no sickness. Everything's going well. Have you ever been like that? As humans, when we get like that, we start saying, uh-oh, what's coming? Something bad's coming, don't we? Jesus was in the perfect position in heaven before he came to earth. He, there was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were three, but they were one. In other words, he had the best family and friendship relationships. He was just so, he wasn't lonely. He had everything he needed. He had the Father and the Holy Spirit and himself. Perfect union. He was in heaven. There was no sickness. There was no problems. There was nothing that could threaten him. He had everything, pure happiness, joy, peace in heaven with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And God said, we need to rescue the humans. And I can imagine some angels listening and saying, but God, they deserve it. They sinned. They messed up planet Earth. It's their fault. You don't need to rescue them. You gave them everything they needed and they messed it up. And Jesus said, I will go. And God said, I'm sending you to rescue them. And when Jesus arrived on planet Earth, he came from a place of comfort to a place of need and danger. And yet all the time he said, I've got to go to the others, the others, the others. Last verse, John 10, verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also must I bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So the first thing about God's big circle is it's not about me, it's about others. Jesus said to his disciples after he'd been with them for three years, he said, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Do you remember that verse? As the Father sent me from a place of fellowship, love, comfort, and happiness, Disciples, look at us. We're in a lovely place. We're in the upper room having supper together. Lovely. We, we protected and blessed. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And the disciples went out. And all of them except one were killed or martyred for their faith because they kept going to the other, the other, the other. They were looking out instead of in. And it's counterintuitive because our world's view tells us I must look at myself and make myself happy. But the big circle says when you look at others, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. When you look at what he is looking at, the lost people around you, that's when you get happy. How weird is that? Can I challenge you to try this? Go and volunteer in an orphanage, an old age home, a, a charity shop, a street feeding scheme. Go and Minister to someone else for an hour, and I guarantee at the end of it, you will feel the happiest you've ever felt. Amen? It's about others. Right, next, next little aspect of God's big circle is that it's about something called the church. So he's got the big circle, which is the world that he looks at and the lost and the needy. But then he puts other smaller circles within that. And he says, I'm going to create something called the local church, which is a gathering family. You know, just like you have a circle, which is you as an individual, and then you link up with a few others and you make other circles. And then you, if you get married, there's a new circle called your family. But then he's got another circle called the church. And this is part of God's big picture. Ephesians, I'm not going to read them all now, but Ephesians 1 verse 22 says that everything he did was for the church. 
Ephesians 2 verse 22 says that the church is where God dwells. He lives in the church. Ephesians 3 verse 21 says, To Him be glory in the church for all generations. In other words, the glory of God is seen in the church. And then the last verse I'm going to quote is Ephesians 3 verse 10. It says that God's intent was that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. God's big circle, his big lens that he looks at the world at includes something called the church. And he says, when Christians of different types and strengths and gifts, you know, the thing I love the most about our church is that we have, I think it's 21 nationalities represented in our church. I love the fact that we sung worship songs today in another language because that's what heaven's going to be like. Revelation says every nation, tribe, and tongue will be singing and worshiping God together. I love the fact that the church is diverse and you have gifts that I don't have and someone else has different gifts. But when God puts us together, the world and the principalities and powers in the heavenly places look and they see the manifold or the multicolored wisdom of God and they say, wow, God is great. The church is part of his big lens. And if you are looking for God's circle for your life, but you are not in a church, find a church and you will find just everything start to click into place because we were made for community and the right type of community. A church that loves God first, not all about themselves, but wants to serve Him. Right. Two more. I'm just going to read this verse from Proverbs 3, verse 9. He says, Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The word first fruits in the Old Testament means every time they got increased, they got a crop from their fields, they got pay from their employer, they would take the very first portion before they paid any other bills, before they paid their taxes, before they did anything. The best and the first they would give to God because what they were saying is, God, I'm seeking you first, I'm putting you first, and my money represents where my heart is. You know, if I want to see what's important to a person, I used to be an auditor, which means I would look through people's accounts. And if I wanted to know what was important to a company or a, a business or a charity that I was auditing, I would look at what they spent their money on. And whatever they spent their money on told me what was important to them. And if God were to look at your expenses, would he know what's important to you? Because my money puts me in a place where I'm putting God first. I'm seeking first his kingdom if I give him the first fruits. And then the very last one, Matthew 28. We know the scripture so well. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Yes, even those little ones that we can hardly even pronounce. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's not just a crusade where I try and evangelize. No, I baptize and I try and gather and disciple them, uh, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. So whatever God has put in me, I've got to share with others and teach other people. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
God's big circle is summarized in the Great Commission, which is, don't become a holy huddle. Don't become just satisfied with looking at yourself. Look at the nations. We have a lighthouse in, on the west of Jersey, the Corbier Lighthouse. And it still functions, but you know, a hundred years ago, a lighthouse was more than just a light. There would be people who would work there who were shining the light, but they were also looking out into the sea for ships that were in trouble. And when a ship was wrecked or in trouble, they would get in their boats and they would go out and they would rescue the people. And I want to say to you that every church that starts and every movement, every single one started as a rescue mission. Let's go from our place of light and let's go out into the stormy seas. Let's find someone who's in trouble and let's rescue them. But every church movement, with a few exceptions, eventually becomes a happy little social club where we're no longer looking out of the window into the sea to see who needs rescue. We're looking at ourselves. We're looking at how nice the coffee table is. We're looking at how we're dressed and saying, oh, Susie didn't look so good when she came to church today or whatever it is. And we're focused totally on ourselves. And there are people just outside our doors who are in trouble and who need rescue. And the minute we turn our eyes from outside to in, we have lost touch with the big circle and we start to decay and die because it's counterintuitive. We think when I look after myself, when I look inwardly, then I'll be happy. God says, when you look out, everything starts to make sense. Amen? So how do we do this? I just want to challenge you. This is more than just a, a, one, a one Sunday message where, okay, I've heard it. I need to, every day, I need to say, God, I'm seeking first your kingdom, what you want. Just as you sent Jesus, you're sending me today, Lord. Who can I be looking at? The others. Not just the people I'm friendly with. Not just the people I'm comfortable with. Lord, who can I reach who I don't know, who I don't normally spend time with? How can I reach out to them? How can I bring them in? How can I rescue them? And every now and again, we need an annoying preacher like me to remind us and refocus us and say, let's look outwards again. I need it. And I'm sure you do as well. We all need to be reminded. It's not about me. Amen. And when I get the big circle right, the circle of belonging makes sense. The circle of boundaries, the circle of partnerships where I'm, I'm yoking myself with other believers. It's not just you know, we read last week the verse from Matthew 11 where Jesus said, if you're weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. We read that verse and we can sometimes think, right, I must just take Jesus' yoke and get yoked with other believers and then I'll find rest for my souls. But we forget that a yoke is an implement that is put over a team of oxen to pull a load in a direction. You don't put a yoke on oxen for them to just stand around and chat. If oxen chat, I don't know. Moo, how are you? You put yoke on oxen because you've got a job for them to do. 
And when we forget that, when we think it's about relationships only, it is about relationships, but they come within the context of a task. As the Father sent me, we are so blessed. We have so much. We have rich fellowship and friendships and families. We have money and health and jobs and security and health care. We are blessed, 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 blessed. But we got to say, Jesus, you're sending me just like you went out to the others, the others, the others. Lord, who can I be looking out for? Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping me and all of us to refocus again on the big circle, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to get everything in its right place. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to my heart and to every one of our hearts to show us areas in our lives where we can make adjustments, where we've become too inward looking, too comfortable, too familiar, where we have stopped going out to rescue those who need your help. Help me, Lord. Help us. Help us to continually be moving out and moving forward. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.